Welcome to SciSpace, my space for personal growth, healing, and development. You can find blog posts and other related material at SciSpace.blog. That's www.cyspace.blog. It's been a minute since I've recorded anything, and the reason for that is twofold. First, I'm rather new at blogging and podcasting, so creating 20-minute material took quite a bit of time. Second, there are a lot of significant changes going on in my life. Got a new job. My wife and I are purchasing our first home. We are making plans to try to have a baby. And any of these three alone would be cause for pause. And yet I've never stopped thinking about this project of mine because a lot of the reasons I'm able to juggle these special life events wouldn't be possible without this exercise. These all cause a significant amount of pressure to perform and yet I feel less pressure than I did last year. I think a lot of that has to do with my mental gains. By that, I mean my mental resilience has increased. So for this reemergence blog post slash podcast, I'd like to review what has been working for me that I've discussed on SciSpace and what needs work, starting with mindfulness in action. I'll also go into how I intend to produce more material going forward so that it's hopefully released quicker. All right, so let's start with mindfulness in action. In that blog post, I mentioned three foundational behaviors for mindfulness, sleep, diet, and exercise. I have actually had mixed results in all three areas, but I would still consider my progress a net positive overall. I expected this because in order to have dramatic results that I experienced in the past, I would have to halt necessary components of my life, which would actually be more detrimental to my well-being in the long run. That previous sentence seeps into my recalling your past to modify behavior post, so we'll circle back to that in another episode. Reviewing my sleep, and how has coffee helped? So in this section, I talked about how dysfunctional we are without sleep. It impacts everything we try to do. I also talked about how cutting off caffeine by noon is probably a good idea. Well, I'm sad? To say my coffee consumption has actually increased to new heights, but my sleep has actually improved. I'm conflicted by this outcome and have mixed opinions about it. So let's break down why things have happened this way. Well, with so many major events happening, I found it unsustainable to always get my eight hours of sleep. This eventually will be addressed, but I needed a temporary middle ground. I discovered a few things while trying to improve my sleep schedule. On the days where I slept less than 7-8 hours, how tired I felt that morning depended how much I slept the day before. In other words, if I slept 7-8 hours on a Sunday, but 5-6 to six hours going into a Monday, I was okay. However, if I repeated this the next day, you know, the Tuesday where I wake up, I would feel some type of morning exhaustion and coffee would help me overcome this. But if I were to repeat it for a third day, so waking up Wednesday morning, I would have to drink coffee the night before in order to overcome that exhaustion. So instead of a coffee nap, it would be more of a coffee sleep. This proved to be a pretty effective strategy. I found that on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday where I drink the most coffee, I was pretty much okay on that Wednesday if I drank the coffee the night before, as I mentioned. 
on Thursday, I would force myself to sleep an hour more. And then on Friday, my coffee consumption would reduce. And I also slept an additional hour. So at that point, I was sleeping about seven and a half hours. Saturday and Sunday would pretty much be a repeat of Friday, averaging about seven and a half hours of sleep and about one and a half cups of coffee. There's also another component I didn't discuss previously that can impede sleep. It's called revenge procrastination, where you push off sleep because you feel robbed of your free time, creating a rather vicious cycle. I simply don't do this anymore. And honestly, I feel a lot of it has to do with the fact that coffee's been making me feel more productive and the kind of ebb and flow of coffee and sleep have worked to make me feel satisfied about how productive and enjoyable the day was. Also, I look forward to sleep now, so it's easier to not procrastinate about going to bed. To be honest, I'm kind of conflicted by all of this. I assumed there was an overall consensus that a dependency on coffee is a bad thing. While there are studies that suggest drinking four to five cups of coffee a day could be beneficial to preventing certain diseases, I'm kind of surprised how my modified coffee consumption has helped me perform earlier in the day while not impacting my sleep towards bedtime. There could be a lot of reasons for this, and I'm not convinced it's all good news. For now, it's definitely doing the trick, and I will revisit this later. Reviewing my diet. Forgiveness and baby steps. This is an area that requires a lot of work. I am drinking a lot of water, minding my portions, and waiting until I feel hungry. But the actual tracking of what I eat needs to happen. This is an area where I'm cutting myself some slack with everything going on. These simple steps of waiting for the hunger and smaller portions and drinking more water have helped me maintain or lose some weight. And that's also partly thanks to the next section, which is reviewing my exercise habits. Just like with dieting, tracking my exercise routine has been an issue, but I would say I have definitely become more active. Walks have become more frequent, and on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I have been engaging in a significant amount of cardio. I've also been doing a mixture of kettlebell and dumbbell workouts. These strength training workouts aren't necessarily organized, but they definitely have helped improve my strength and my limberness. Improvements in strength training and cardio have mostly helped me feel more limber. It's also improved my sleep and overall mood. When it comes to weight loss benefits, however, the progress has been kind of slow. I have learned that without the sleep and diet component, the exercise will fall flat in this area and both still need some tweaking. Has my mindfulness improved? If you recall from my post, Mindfulness in Action, the intent behind improving these three foundational behaviors, sleep, exercise, and diet, was to increase my mindfulness. By being mindful, we can live more purpose-driven lives instead of letting life pass us by. I'm happy to say that has definitely been the case. If you look at all three components, my progress has been modest to mixed, and yet I wouldn't be capable of doing one, let alone three major life events, if it wasn't for advancement in all three behaviors. For example, I'm less likely to jump to negative thoughts. One thing I've noticed that has led to more positive outcomes is that my initial reaction to quote-unquote negative events has been optimism. By choosing a positive outlook, the end result tends to either be pleasant or less impactful. The initial reaction to an experience is a lot like potential energy at the top of a hill. When we roll down a hill, that potential energy gets converted into kinetic energy. We'll treat kinetic energy in this instance as what drives our thoughts and emotions. Before we roll down that hill, we can choose our initial reaction to be positive 
or we can choose it to be negative. Once we choose, it is very likely that all of our following thoughts and emotions will be influenced by that initial reaction. It is a chain reaction, and we have less control over our following emotions than we do our initial response to the stimulus. I'm sure there are many books that cover this topic. One that I've been skimming through is Rewire Your Brain by Jacob King. The description alone offers seemingly fluff but actually poignant advice related to my last paragraph. We must understand that negative emotions lead to negative actions, which in time lead to negative consequences. This is on page six of Rewire Your Brain. This isn't to say you should always put a smile on your face, but there are reactions to events that are beneficial to your current and future well-being, and there are reactions that aren't so beneficial. Learning what is the right response is something that takes practice. I'm also less afraid of failure. Most of the time, I embrace it. An example of not jumping into negative thoughts is my outlook on failure. I don't see failure as a setback, but a step forward. For example, I am someone that has traditionally dreaded job interviews, and yet my current job wouldn't have happened if I didn't head into it looking forward to the interview process. A thought I had that led to this shift is, even if I failed to get the job, approaching it from a different, more enjoyable angle assured that I would get something positive out of the experience. This is something I will want to talk about a lot more in future posts. In any case, this shift surprised me, and the outcome of the job interview was incredible. It left me scrambling for resources that could elaborate on what transpired. One book that stood out was 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morn. This book read as an affirmation that I was becoming more mentally resilient. I found myself relating heavily to some of the chapters, such as Mentally Strong People Don't Shy Away From Change, Don't Fear Taking Calculated Risk, or they don't give up after the first failure. This is a book that'll probably get its own episode, so I'll be saving it for another time. I've also become okay with relinquishing power. Traditionally, I am someone who puts too much on their plate and doesn't delegate. I took this new job, but I didn't want to give up my role at Mount San Antonio College with MMI, which is helping at-risk students, or to stop pursuing my post-baccalaureate at Oregon State University. So in order to do that, I had to be okay with the following. I had to plan ahead. I had to relinquish some power. And I had to delegate some tasks to others and be okay with how they handle it. For example, the at-risk students I help really appreciate and respond well to personal text reminders. So I had to ask the school if they would be okay with us using something like text magic to send out mass individual texts before meetings. This way, I can schedule text messages, and if the students have any questions, I can personally follow up. I also ask the students who need tutors to let me know in advance the days they'll need help, and I trained other staff to fill in for me on the days I could not attend. This was a struggle for them at first, but I could not have stayed involved unless I had additional help. So what's the conclusion here? I think it is that mindfulness nurtures resilience. As I've worked on these three foundational behaviors, I have indeed become more mindful, but what I didn't expect is that I would become more resilient. My assumption was I would have less on my plate, and that's how I would improve my health and well-being. But in reality, that hasn't been the case. It can be, I'm sure, but I'm actually busier now than I was last year at the same time, and I feel better about myself. Having said that, I do have a lot on my plate. So what does that mean for future posts and episodes? 
With all these changes going on, I have found it next to impossible to produce material the same way I did before. To create some material, I decided to review my progress on previous posts because I thought it made sense and that it would be faster to develop. In reality, it took longer than I expected, but not nearly as long as prior content. So progress is progress, but what about after my reviews? What then? One idea I had was to ask other bloggers permission to read their posts on my podcast and reference it on my site. I also want to be okay releasing rougher, shorter material. Lastly, I want to see if I can find more material that overlaps with my work. We'll see what's to come, but a promise I want to make here is that I'm going to stay committed to this in one way or another. That's it for now. Take care. Thank you for listening.